Well, we are beginning our series on our vision, and an image came to my mind that helps us see what the vision's purpose is for us. Now, I've shared before that I grew up farming with my brother and my dad, and dad was, he didn't hesitate to stick us out on a tractor long before we got our driver's license. And I found that fun in many ways, but I tell you, the, one of the hardest things I had to do was when we had to plant. And we had a corn planter a lot like this one. Kind of hard to see, but you see these little marking bars on each side? Now, when you go into a field, the challenge you have when you're planting, what made it so hard for me was trying to keep those rows straight. My dad was really good at that. Me, not so much. And, and this is how it work. You, you go down the field, and it puts a marking arm down. It's got a little disc. and makes a nice groove. So then you put the nose of your tractor down that groove on your way back. And then the other arm goes down as you go the other way and so forth through the field. The trouble is getting started. So you'd start in the middle of the field, and Dad always taught me, find an object on the far end of the field, whether it's a tree or a telephone pole, a fence post, and just keep your... Focus on that object the entire time down, and you'll have a straight row. Well, you know when you're a teenager, keeping focus that long is not easy. We had a 100-acre field. It was the length of about a quarter of a mile. That's about a 10-minute stretch. You know how hard it is for a teenager to keep focus for 10 straight minutes? So Dad would always he'd be on the tractor. We'd go back and cultivate that a few weeks later. And he just loved making fun of me, like, what happened here, and what happened here? <laughs> well, that's what our vision can do if we work it well. It's that object on the far end that helps us keep focused on what we are called to be doing. Because, you see, there's many good things a church can do, lots of good things. But the challenge is in this world, in this day and age, it's so vitally important that each church, each congregation find its calling to live out its mission within the kingdom of God if we're going to transform the world. Now, let me talk about this vision a little bit. It's not a magic formula. Would you say it with me? Rooted in love, connecting people, planting seeds of hope. It's not a magic formula. Just because we got this vision doesn't mean everything is going to be great. It'll only be as much as we embrace it, let it work on us, let it become a part of our thinking and planning as we go forth as a congregation. And it will work for us if we learn to use the question, especially when we combine it with our mission statement, which is the mission statement of all United Methodists, to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. You put those two things together, it becomes a valuable tool, a tool to evaluate. And so it causes us to ask questions like, is this really going to make disciples? But is this really based upon Christ's love? Is, is this something that shows us we're loving a way that's beyond what we normally see in the world? And is it connecting people not just within the congregation, but with people out in the community? And is it really going to make a difference? Is it going to change and bring hope to people's lives? Those are valuable questions. I kind of kind of look at it like a breath prayer. You know what a breath prayer is? It's, it's a short phrase that you memorize, and you let it become a part of you so that wherever you are, in whatever conversation or experience, you bring the presence of God into that experience using that breath prayer. 
this is short enough that it can be remembered. Hopefully it becomes like that for us. And it can make a difference. You look at vision statements and mission statements of successful companies and movements, you'll find it does help shape. Let, let me just do a little experiment here. I'm going to throw up a statement, and you see if you can guess what company came up with this statement. To be Earth's most customer-centric company, to build a place where people can come to find and discover anything they want to buy online, who is that? Amazon, that's right. To put joy in kids' hearts and a smile on parents' faces. Toys are us. That's right. Disney's a good guess, but toys are us. Next one. When I'm through, everyone will have one. Henry Ford. Dick's cheating. He was in the first service. Next one. To provide the best service and lowest fares to the short haul, frequent flying, point-to-point, -point, not interline traveler, Southwest Airlines. To organize the world's information and make it universally accessible and useful. Google. And Dick gets an A on this one. To share great coffee with our friends and help make the world a little better. Starbucks, that's right. See, they do make a difference. They do make a difference. Now, a few things about the vision. Sometimes it gets confusing whether you're using vision statement or mission statement. Uh, sometimes they're one and the same, but uh, for our purposes, we see our mission statement kind of shares the what. It helps inform, and our vision statement inspires, kind of shares the why. And you put those things together. What's really important is to see that a vision statement, when it functions well, will share who you are, express your identity. At the same time, it shows where you want to go and what you want to become, the dreams you want to live into together at the same time. Now, let me quickly explain how our vision came together. It was a process, but we really feel God was in it. We feel his hand was in it. And that process started with the people that gathered, a representative group in Wesley Hall, and we talked about our core values. We came up with things that we thought we truly live out. These, these express who we are. We think we value vibrant worship, passionate music ministry, growing biblical community. We want to be engaging children, youth, and young adults. We do some already, but we want to do more. We want to be partnering with the community. We then met in this room with 90 or so people. We did a workshop on visioning, trying to understand the basics of it. And then we identified ministry and mission fields. I think we had about 12 different ones. Invited people to go and sign up where their passion was. And then we gave them the task to go to that location, wherever it is, whether it's in the church building or out in the community, go and listen and tend to what God puts on your heart and write it down, record it. Not so much trying to come up with ideas and plans, but just what does God put on your heart? We then merged these into one document. It was about a 12-page document. And we turned it over to our vision writing team. And they came together, and we looked for the common phrases. What are the things that keep popping up? And that's how we came up with these three phrases. We thought they summarized well the key thoughts and phrases that were in that document. And it came together so fast, we said, okay, let's just sit on this a couple weeks. Let's pray over it the next couple weeks and come back and make sure this is still what we want to say. And then we'll write some, some explanatory sentences and find scripture that backs up those. And so we did stick with it. And the 
phrases that back up each statement. Rooted in love, another way of saying that is Christ's love is foundational to all that we say and do. Connecting people. We want to be building relationships in our community to make life as God intends. And planting seeds of hope. We want to be servants of Christ that will empower all to discover what is possible through God's grace. That's how it came together. Now, let me spend the rest of my time just talking about what we mean by rooted in love. And that word rooted popped up because we are rooted in many different ways here. We first thought about the disciple Bible study. Our congregation has had over 300 people take disciple one, which takes you all through the Bible. Over 100 have gone through all four courses that takes a few books and goes in more in depth. Very few congregations can boast of those kind of numbers. And it's evident as we look at a lot of our leadership, many of them have gone through disciple Bible study. We also know that there's many other groups that have been meeting for, for years, got their own Bible study group that's just meeting every week or every couple weeks or seasonally. And we see that it's evident that those who've been shaped by the world show a lot of Christian maturity. They are well-rooted in God's word. We also felt we're rooted through worship. We've got uh, a history that's had some tremendous preachers in the past who've been able to take the Bible and put it into forms that we can understand with our lives, for our lives. We've benefited from, from a vibrant music ministry that had the same person leading it for 46 years and built it not just to something that that benefits our worship, but went out into the community and made connections. Unlike most of the churches, it was unique. We also have got some unique worship spaces, whether it's the traditional sanctuary or going out to teeter, worshiping in the outdoors in the summer or this flexible space or even now on Thursday.